Hello and welcome to the Strike a Balance podcast for working homeschool moms. This is Charlotte Jones. I'm a homeschool coach and homeschooling mom of twin boys. I know it can feel really overwhelming to keep all the balls in the air all the time. So each week I chat about tips and strategies for being a happy and thriving working homeschool mom that you can implement in your life too. I also speak to awesome and inspiring women who manage to juggle homeschooling and work successfully and find out what their secrets are. Be sure to check out my Working Homeschool Mom Time Audit and Mindset Challenge in the show notes and sign up to my newsletter for lots of cool homeschool freebies. And if you ever need to chat, please book in a session with me. I'm so excited for you to be here and I hope you'll get so much value out of this episode. So let's get started. Are you looking for a new math curriculum? Well, I'm thrilled to introduce our favorite math curriculum to you. CTC Math specializes in providing online video tutorials that take a multi-century approach to learning. Favorably review in Kathy Duffy's 102 Top Picks and the Old Schoolhouse Crew Review, the lessons are short and concise to help your children break down concepts and appreciate math in a whole new way. The lessons are taught the traditional way, not to a test. Each one of the video tutorials is taught by an internationally acclaimed teacher, Pat Murray, who is renowned for teaching math concepts in a simple, easy-to-understand way and in only a few minutes at a time. Using a multi-sensory approach means having the combination of effective graphics and animation synchronized with the voice of a friendly teacher together with a practical assessment. This three-pronged attack makes learning so much easier and more effective. Even students who struggled with math are getting fantastic results and the ones who were doing okay before are now doing brilliantly. Visit ctcmath.com today to start your free trial. And listeners, CTC Math is offering you an amazing special. Go to www.ctcmath.com forward slash MLH to get a half price discount plus a bonus six months free. That's ctcmath.com forward slash MLH. So today I'll be talking to Amy Sloan, who is a podcaster, blogger, VA, and of course, a homeschool mom. In fact, Amy is a second generation homeschooler, so I'm super excited about what she's going to share. Welcome to the podcast, Amy. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to get to be on this side of the microphone. Excellent. So before we get started, I want to ask you a bit of a warm up question. If you were to write your autobiography today, what would be the title and why? I loved this question because while I haven't thought about the answer in quite some time, there was a period of my life where I gave it a lot of thought. And so I'll just go back to that kind of um, answer from my early 20s. And I would call my autobiography One Mad Moment. And that is a reference to a quote from one of my favorite authors, G.K. Chesterton. And he has this quote, imagine for one mad moment that the grass is really green. And so I feel like it kind of captures the idea of finding wonder in the ordinary, which is an important part of my approach to homeschool and life. And it also has that second level of meaning that I might possibly be a little crazy. I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> That's a really, really great title. Um, okay, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about yourself. 
Yes. So like you mentioned in the introduction, I'm a second-generation homeschooling mom of five. My kids currently are in age from seven to 17. So I have two boys on the ends and three girls in the middle. And I write at humilityanddoxology.com and host the Homeschool Conversations with Humility and Doxology podcast. And our family, our homeschool is filled with lots of good books and beautiful memory work and occasional dance parties in the kitchen. Sounds awesome. That sounds like the perfect kind of homeschool, definitely. And how long have you been a working homeschool mom and what made you choose to be one? Yeah, so it's interesting. I've only kind of, I guess, realized and accepted that title about myself really probably in the past maybe six months to a year because my entry into this world of working while homeschooling kind of happened very gradually, like one of those pools that have the gradual entry into them, right? So about uh, four or five years ago, I actually started as a virtual assistant doing some social media scheduling and work for another homeschool blogger. And that was so much fun. And a few years in, I guess it was in 2018, I started my own website. And again, I just sort of viewed it as this sort of side hobby thing. And it's kind of taken on a life of its own. Of course, since then, I've also started a podcast. And over the years, of course, it's taken more time and energy. And it's become something that actually I realized um, is more than just a hobby. Like it actually is a side job that I've come to love. And it's really fun because as I look back on my own childhood as a homeschooler, uh, being the homeschooled student, my mom always had some sort of entrepreneurial endeavor going on. Uh, From my earliest memories, I can always remember her doing something. It was varied. It was not just one thing. Um, But I think that gave me this idea that um, running my own business, doing something, pursuing Um, my own areas of creativity and work was something that was not only possible to do while homeschooling, but could also be valuable to the family and to myself as an individual. And so I'm really thankful for that uh, model that she gave me. And I love to be able to show that to my own kids now that, hey, mom has interests. Mom learns things too. Mom tries hard things. Like I want them to see that adulthood has a wide range of possibilities. Absolutely. And I think it's just all those wonderful skills that we get to teach our kids apart from the academics in homeschool as well. Exactly. So much of homeschooling, like the real gift is in the relationships and in just the real life learning. Like this is just what it means to be human, right? More than just the academics or the worksheets. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And what does your schedule look like roughly in terms of kind of a typical day and how you homeschool throughout the year as well? So our family does typically follow more the traditional school year schedule here in the U.S., so uh, fall semester, spring semester, and we take the summer off. Although now that my teens are doing some dual enrollment class at a local college or doing some other uh, summer classes. It kind of has thrown me off a little bit. I don't get a summer break from homeschool this year. (laughs) I have to keep going. Um, But that works well for us just because it is kind of nice to change up the schedule. Um, We like to start our day with morning time. And so I, I love to have everyone together as much as possible. 
and really focus on those beautiful things that would otherwise easily get left off of our homeschool schedule. Just in a you know in the course of a busy life, it's harder to fit in poetry at, at four o'clock when everyone's tired than if we do it first thing in the morning. And that has really been a treasure to be able to have those shared memories and experiences, especially since I do have a wide age range. Uh, I love to be able to share those books and stories and music and beautiful things together. And then as far as, you know, my my work time, a lot of times that looks like very early in the morning or in the afternoon while the kids are able to do some of their independent work. I really try to prioritize the home education part of my job in the morning um, so that I make sure that I, I do a good job with that. I tell the kids, like, especially since my work you know, is related to homeschooling as well. I'm writing about homeschooling and podcasting about homeschooling. I tell my kids, I really don't want to be a homeschool writer or podcaster who's not actually doing a good job homeschooling you. So they have permission to hold me accountable. And I try to keep that in mind as as really important first thing in the day. And I know a lot of people have asked questions about homeschooling multiple ages. How do you manage How do you manage that generally? I think for the most part, it's really good to remember that unless you're coming into homeschooling later on, you're not popping into, you know, so like right now this past year, I had a first grader, a fourth grader, a sixth grader, a ninth grader, and an 11th grader. Most of the time, you're not jumping into trying to figure that out all at once. So it's taken time over the years to gradually train the older kids in their independence um, and to kind of figure out a schedule that works. You don't have to have it all figured out, like, what's it going to look like when the oldest is in high school? If your oldest is just in elementary school, it'll come, you'll get there. Um, but I think that one thing that has really helped is to find things that we can do together as much as possible. I mentioned our read aloud and our poetry and kind of those morning time activities. That's been really valuable Um, And then, of course, kids that are closer in age and grades, I find ways to to share the learning so that it's more efficient that way. I think also when I have younger children, um, you know, over the years as I've had either toddlers and babies around or now even my my littlest guy who is in was in first grade, it really helps to focus on the younger ones first it kind of fills up their love tank. It helps them with getting that time with mom so that they're more likely to play independently while you're working with older students. Um, and then just really, yeah, I think training the kids, teaching them how to work independently is an incredible gift. And that doesn't just happen overnight. It, it's something you work on year by year, every year, you know, giving a little bit more opportunity for independence, taking responsibility for their own learning. And I'm really seeing the fruit of that now with my teens who, for the most part, do a very good job running their own schedule and keeping up with their deadlines and things like that. But I do think it's important for moms, especially if they have younger kids, to remember that it's not going to just happen overnight and you can't expect your eight-year-old to be completely independent. It's something you gradually work on and then see the fruit as they get older. And I think once again, I mean, teaching your kids those skills, the independence, I think is so invaluable for the rest of their lives. 
Definitely. I mean, we all have been in situations with other people who who couldn't, like in a group project or in a work environment where people were sort of waiting to be told what to do. And it's really valuable to be the kind of person who can problem solve and work independently, right? Absolutely, yes. And how do you stay organized in terms of, I guess, homeschooling and being a working homeschool mom? How do you stay organized generally? Well, this is something I'm I'm probably always going to need to improve and get better on, but I, I have a few things that have been really helpful in our family. One is that I take a big picture approach to the homeschool planning. So instead of having every day specific time blocks and specific page numbers assigned to specific days, instead I look at the big picture of the week and do things like, okay, by the end of the week, I want you to have three reading journals completed. That gives a lot of flexibility in the day-to-day. It doesn't have to be tied to a specific time. And it's also, again, laying those foundations for independence and um, initiative for the students. But um, I find having that flow, the big picture goals that we can just replicate week by week to be a much better way of planning out the homeschool schedule than trying to to assign specific page numbers. Because as soon as somebody gets sick or someone struggles with a concept, you're already behind and there's just nothing more discouraging than that behind feeling. So that is one way in which uh, we're able to stay organized with our homeschool schedule. And then I think just having the flow of the day where everyone knows at eight o'clock, you're down on the sofa and we're going to have our morning time. And then after that, everyone kind of knows the flow of what is expected of them. Again, not tied to specific times, but that pattern. So you don't have the decision fatigue of what happens next. Are we or are we not going to do our read aloud today? You know, are we going to get to math today? I don't know. No. <laughs> We know it's going to happen because we have that flow. We don't have to reinvent the wheel every day. We just follow that pattern. And I, But I guess that does get a little bit easier the more experienced you are with homeschooling because I know when I started out, I wanted to control everything. And I would say that probably came from a place of fear, I would say, definitely. Yes. And then you realize how little control you, you ever really had, right? It was kind of an illusion the whole time. Oh, yeah. I've got a total illusion. Absolutely. Yes. And once once I let go, though, as well, I was able to enjoy homeschooling so much more. And the kids did as well, too. Definitely. And what is your absolute favorite homeschooling resource and why? Okay. So my absolute favorite homeschool resource is not something you can buy in a store, but it is including beautiful memory work in the homeschool day. I think this is something that I'm just really passionate about. Um, People hear memory work and think, I mean, like we're memorizing lists of facts and figures and dates and dead people. But instead of doing that, we include a lot of poetry, Shakespeare, Uh, historic documents, speeches, songs, these things that are truly beautiful and teach us more about what it means to be human and I think are going to have a lasting impact in my children as they grow into adulthood. And I think that this is something that any family of any homeschool style can include in their day. 
any ages can get on board with that. In fact, it's a great thing if you have lots of ages because it's something you can share together. You have that shared family culture and those shared memories, those inside jokes, kind of like you would have with film, only a lot of times our family has inside jokes like related to Shakespeare or something. (laughs) And so that's something that is probably my favorite part um, alongside good books. But I think the beautiful memory work is definitely my favorite homeschool resource. That sounds really lovely. I haven't actually really thought about it, but it I can imagine it must be something really, really lovely. Like a beautiful poem is something that you remember for the rest of your life. Yes, that's absolutely lovely. Really nice. Yes, there's that quote. Um, it says, you'll never be alone with a poet in your pocket. I don't know if you've heard that before, but I, I think about that like when we're when we're grown or we're alone or we're in a time where things are hard, you know, will remembering some date of a battle from several hundred years ago bring much hope or joy to our hearts? Probably not. But to be able to pull out uh, a poem like Death Be Not Proud by John Donne or something like that, that will never leave you, right? Um, that's going to be incredibly um, valuable I, I, is my prayer in my kids' lives. I know it has been in my own. And okay, so you're a second generation homeschooler, so I'm not sure if you've ever experienced this, but have there ever been times when you've wanted to quit homeschooling? I have to say it has probably just been parenting related. (laughs) You know, have you ever had that moment where you thought, oh my goodness, this is really, really hard. I'm not sure if I want to keep doing this, right? I Homeschooling is is parenting intensified, as my friend Lena Sutherland says. And I think on those hard days where my own my own sinful issues butt up against my children's, you know, challenges, those are the hard moments where there are definitely those afternoons where you just think to yourself, what in the world am I doing? But that's it's temporary. It's it's just temporary. A good night's sleep, a good cup of coffee. <laughs> deep breath, ranting a bit to my husband, you know, you kind of get through those. And um, I just see it as being so very worth it that even in those hard times, persevering has never really been off the table. It's always been something that we have, have wanted to keep working through and getting through those hard times. And then on the other side of the hard day, you know, there's restoration in relationships and you remember that you really do like your kids. <laughs> sure. And if your kids are having a really tough day or if you're having a really tough day, what are some of the things you do to get through a day like that? It kind of depends. You know, some days I wake up on the wrong side of the bed or maybe I'm not feeling well or, you know, you're having a hormonal day. And I would want someone to be really patient with me in the midst of that. And I think it's important for us to remember that our kids – have those same experiences. You know, sometimes they just wake up, it's an off day, and, you know, they need that extra grace from their parents. And, hey, you know what? Instead of doing the full lesson today, how about if you just do half? Or you look like you could really enjoy some time outside. You want to go out and climb the, the tree in the front yard? I have one daughter who that that is like her happy spot is to go climb the tree in the front yard. And why don't you go do that? Instead of sitting down and finishing this worksheet, go on outside and climb the tree. And so sometimes the answer is let's stop doing what we're doing, change things up, take a break. Um, Other times, if it's a season where things are harder, 
And we've all experienced that as adults too, right? You just start in a long season where things feel hard. Other times you're having a longer season where things are hard. And I think we can relate to that as adults too, where we have day after day where things just feel hard for more than just, uh, you know, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed today or whatever. And sometimes our kids have seasons like that too. And in those cases, I think the best thing to do is not to take the break, but to continue to do those little things every day, to just do that next thing, to stay consistent. And that consistency actually can really help us get through those hard seasons more than perhaps taking a break. So it really varies and depends. It depends on the day. And uh, how important do you think mindset is for being a successful working homeschool mom? Oh, so much is about our attitudes, right? It's a lot of times not so much what's going on externally, but what's going on in our own minds and hearts. And so I think it is important. Um, having the attitude, I guess, of of what is important, like where are my priorities and keeping those in the forefront of my mind, I think are really important in in my various vocations right now. And not comparing myself to other people, especially other working homeschool moms. Like it's easy to look and say, how can that person get so much more done in their business endeavors than I can? Or they seem to be doing such amazing creative things with their kids in their homeschool and our day doesn't look quite that exciting. And just to remember that we are our own unique people. We have our own unique children and our own unique families. And to to remember that and not be distracted by other people, I think is, well, it's very, very hard to do, but um, very, very important. And every day, it's like you have to re-remind yourself of that truth, right? That is such an important point because I think, again, at the beginning of homeschooling, you want to, I suppose you go onto social media to see what it's, what you think it should look like because I guess you don't know until you actually start. And that, that comparison can be, can really ruin your homeschool, I think. Yeah. One of the most powerful things I ever saw was uh, an Instagram post from my friend Dawn Garrett. She's at Lady Dusk um, on Instagram. This was a long time ago, but she had this picture, a a grid picture, and each part of the grid, it it looked like a woman's face, but a very bizarre woman's face. And as you looked at it more closely, you realized that each piece of that face was actually a picture of a different woman that had all been spliced together. And she talked about the danger of this idea of the composite homeschool mom. You know, we, we look online and we see, wow, this woman does a really great job with her read alouds and this one's doing great nature study and that one is doing great interest-led learning and that one bakes her own bread, you know, and the list just goes on. And then we put it all together in our mind and we create this like monstrous composite perfect homeschool mom. And then we set that up as the standard that we're supposed to live up to. And we forget that none of those people are doing all of those things all at the same time, right? Um, But somehow we forget that and we think everyone is doing all of the strengths all at the same time and we're the only one who has a weakness or who isn't able to get it all together, whatever together is, right? Mm, Absolutely. And how did your mom... Um, obviously, as some, uh, I mean, obviously, there wasn't social media when your mom was homeschooling. How did she find 
like her way and what to do and things like that? And where did she find inspiration and support? When I was growing up, it was a really different uh, approach to homeschooling and community, which I actually really miss. I think this is something that that the generation of homeschoolers now um, seems to be more focused on co-ops where there's like lots and lots of classes and you kind of commit to doing everything just like everybody else. And it's really hard to find just more support group. And when I was growing up, the, the focus really was on the support groups. So wherever we lived, there was always a local group of like-minded homeschool moms, and the moms would come together to support one another and encourage one another. We would do field trips and activities together, but we weren't necessarily doing all the same educational endeavors all at the same time. You know, some of us would, you know, do a human body study together or whatever, something like that. But there was a lot of freedom to do our own things in our own ways while still coming together in community. And so I, I know that that was something that was valuable to my mom as we would move and uh, find relationships in our local community. And that's where a lot of my friendships as well came from as a homeschooled student. And of course, you know, there were, there were books, uh, probably fewer books, which maybe was better because you just had mm. fewer things to distract you. But although I am, I am thankful for all the resources we have now, for sure. Sure, but I can understand it can be resource overload sometimes or information overload anyway. And uh, what does self-care look like for you? I think that it's been really important for me to listen to my body at different times. Sometimes, you know, I'm able to stay up late and, and work and on some projects, you know, a few nights in a row. But when I start noticing that really affecting my mood or my ability to think and process, uh, it's a good reminder to me that something as simple as sleep, getting regular hours of sleep is actually a really important part of self-care. I also try to regularly move my body and exercise in that way. And then actually just prioritizing relationships in real life is really important. I have a local book club that I'm a part of. I'm very involved in our in our church and serving other people there. And so I think on this increasingly online virtual world, which of course I'm very thankful for because that's how I'm able to do my work is because of all the, the benefits of the online world. But I think it's really important to look at the people right down the street from us as well, even if there may be things we don't share, you know, have in common, just that in-person community experience is really important. Mm. And looking back to when you started homeschooling, what do you think are the most important things when you start out right at the beginning? I like to encourage people that the imperfect thing you actually do is better than the perfect thing you never start. And that's true for those of us who have been homeschooling for a long time, but I think it's especially a good reminder for those just getting started homeschooling because it can be easy to think that you have to do this big, perfect, glorious, amazing thing and you create this crazy checklist a mile long and you get really excited that first day and by the end of the first week, you might feel a bit burned out or you haven't measured up to this ideal picture you had in your mind. And so I think just remembering that faithful consistency, doing something simple, even if it's not perfect or ideal, but doing it every day, 
doing it in a spirit of love and joy with your kids, that is going to be the most valuable thing that you can provide for your children and it will enable you to continue homeschooling for the long haul. So I think just remembering that it doesn't have to be perfect, but it can still be beautiful. Yeah, that is a really, really important piece of advice, I would say, yes. Embracing imperfection, exactly, because otherwise, if you're striving for perfection, the joy gets sucked out of it very, very quickly. Yeah, you'll never quite live up to that imaginary thing you put in your mind, right? Absolutely, yes, it's so true. And then what about um, a piece of advice for a working homeschool mom specifically in terms of kind of juggling it all, striking a balance, things like that? What do you think is really important for being a happy and thriving working homeschool mom? As a practical tip, I think batching your work as much as possible. If that's something that works in your um, particular work schedule can be really helpful. I find that it's easier if I try to... um, batch my content. So by that, I mean, okay, instead of trying to do bits and pieces throughout the day or throughout the week, I'm going to sit down for a longer piece of time and really focus on this particular project. And then during the school year, because I've done all that work ahead of time, um, it makes it a little bit easier to fit it into the nooks and crannies of the homeschool day and the homeschool week. Um, I think the other thing that is helpful is to have friends who get it. And this is where I am particularly grateful for the online community because um, you just need to have someone that you can send this Voxer message or this email to and be like, ah, things are not going well. I can't figure this out. And someone who can say, yeah, I get it. They don't even have to give you advice. They can just let you know that you're not alone. So if you can find at least one person that you can send those those crazy emotive emails or messages to. I think that's really helpful because our families probably don't want to have us constantly uh, dramatizing or letting them know every time we're freaking out about our work. Sure, absolutely. Yes, I couldn't agree more. And finally, is there anything you're working on at the moment that you would like to share? And where can people find you online? So people can find me at humilityanddoxology.com. I'm Humility and Doxology on all the social media, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And then uh, the project that is sort of my, my big project right now is the Homeschool Conversations podcast. You can find that in all of your podcast players. And this summer, I actually have a special little audio blog series where I have guest podcasters sharing bite-sized tips and encouragement throughout this summer, which is perfect as we're going through our summer travels or planning for the new school year. And then season six, which is interview style, is my is my typical uh, podcast format that will resume this fall. Okay, awesome. And obviously, I will link all of those in the show notes. Thank you so very much for sharing all your experiences and your advice. This is going to be a really, really valuable episode for Working Homeschool Moms. So thank you so very much. Thank you for having me. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Drop me a DM on Instagram or post on the Working Homeschool Moms support group over on Facebook. And let me know what resonated the most with you. It would also be great if you could rate, review and subscribe or share the podcast with a Working Homeschool Mom who might need it. It's my mission to support as many working homeschool moms as possible. Until next time, take care 